Welcome to Sea Time, everybody, the off-road show that brings you all the results, news, and online shenanigans that make being online a good time. We'd like to say thank you to Fly Racing for their support of Sea Time. Please go check them out at flyracing.com. Anywhere between 20 and 50 that tune into Sea Time Live. No, so welcome everybody to episode 199. Matt Cratch is asking questions because he doesn't know when to shut up. Such a ginger. Look at this guy. We're lucky to have Mr. Matt Cratch on the couch this fine Tuesday evening. Again, I'm your host, Mr. Brian Pierce. This is Matt Crouch, and we're going to be talking about dirt bikes. We're doing some beer drinking and some bench racing and seeing what goes on. So, of course, Seat Time, the online show for the off-road enthusiasts. We are brought to you by the fine folks over at Fly Racing. Learn more about them, please, at flyracing.com. Go to your local dealer and say, hey, I would like to pay attention to your Fly Racing wall and see what's going on. I sound weird. It's interesting to hear yourself like that <laughs> echoed across the room, across the room, across the room. Uh, and then, of course, Kenda Tire USA at KendaTire.com. Even better, you can still ask for Kenda Tire at your local dealer. Uh, the best thing, you're doing any kind of off-road, you want to go make sure, pay attention to what they do have to offer in the off-road department, specifically with the Equilibrium and their Super Stickies. It was great as I still had the Super Sticky on from the TKO, right? And went and rode this past weekend at Toro and did kicked ass. Uh, not other people's ass in the fact that I had traction because of those super sticky tires. Yeah. I mean, when, when you have an old tire that's kind of beat up a little bit, but you don't want to feel like changing it, they still have traction everywhere. Yeah. So that was epic. I didn't really have to change anything. I just kind of rocked with it and rode it out and worked great. Yeah. Yeah. Everything I've heard about them, they've, I know Mike, you know, the Kenda guy and, he says that everybody that he like or he knows, you know, loves them. And from what I, you know, what you said, that that's about the same thing I hear is everybody really likes them. So there it is. Everybody really likes them. Marketing department, call this guy. Uh, of course. And then SRT Off Road at srtoffroad.com. It's fantastic. It's easy. You should still be able to get that at your local dealer. We say that because obviously the best way to support this sport is to support your local dealer. There are quite a few online retailers where you can get yourself quite a few fantastic deals. But to make sure that this sport stays alive, make sure that your local your local area has you know a livelihood, and that's going to be going down at your local dealer. So make sure you go there and check it out. So for Seat Time, of course, you can find us at SeatTime.co. That is the website. We're on Stitcher, on iTunes. If my face and Matt's together when we gel are just not pretty enough for you or or annoying, you can just tune in to the audio-only version there on Stitcher and or iTunes. Of course, you can then subscribe to us on YouTube. That's another easy way. We do have much more fun videos, which we'll get to talking about because I've got my Toro one that we just posted, which was really fun. We do have a chat room too, tlk.io slash seat time if you wanted to tune in. Two weeks is going to be our 200th episode. This is episode 199. Uh, we've gotten a couple good ideas on what we should do. We actually had somebody that watched our cold weather riding tip for the trail video. Thought that we should talk about some of the warm weather riding gear that we do because they're like, hey, you're in Texas. What kind of specific stuff do you do for your really hot as hot as balls, let's say it, uh, you know, riding? And uh, there's some stuff that we do. Yeah. It's called baby powder and ride at 8 a.m. and be off the bike by 11. <laughs> yeah, that's... <laughs> And fly racing kinetic vintage gear. Ow! That's, I mean, that's it right there. Yeah, Just I mean, make, make that kind of happen. That's how you want to do it. So, uh, what have you been up to, Mister Matt Crouch? Man, just a little riding. injury or something. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, I I hurt my foot a couple of weeks ago and uh, was trying to get ready for the first 
sprint enduro in um, South Carolina. Yep. Um, kind of bummed I didn't get to go to that. Um, haven't really ridden in a couple of weeks, and then I decided this past weekend to go to uh, a local LACC race. Yeah. In uh, eastern ish Louisiana. Uh, Near what city? Did it end in a, in a row? A uh, row? It, close. Yes, it was. Um, was like an hour south of Monroe, Louisiana. <laughs> so you you nailed that of one on the course, head. But yeah, sure, yeah. Um, place was super fun though. Um, the trails there were were really good. It ended up getting really rough. Uh, the ground was really moist. Um, crew put, puts on a great race though. Um, I've gone to a couple before and. So yeah, did you do a lot of the, or did you do many of the LACCs before they, uh, Lucas Cuomo sold it to the gentlemen that own it now? Um, no, I've okay. only done like, I did one last year, which was really good. And then I did a couple when Lucas owned it mm-hmm. and Lucas did a great job too. Right. Um, the new guy, same way, you know, it's a, it's a small operation. Um, there's only like five or six guys that like actually really run, the, run it. Yeah. Right. Run it. There's not like a huge club. So um, for what they do, it's a, it's a great deal. You know, it's, it's fun. They don't really have a practice deal. Kind of like, you know, all the Texas races, we got practice yeah. everywhere, which is kind of, I mean, it's good and bad, but, um, they do a shortened condensed version of practice there where it's like you get 30 minutes and you get to ride like half of the track. Right. And then the rest of it, you can walk if you want. But so for the first lap of the race, you know, you usually, you're like, oh man, I realize this part of the trail. And then you get to parts that are like virgin and you've never ridden it. And yep. you're literally the first tire tracks on it. So it, um, it was a good time. I like that. Good time. I, I, I really, yeah. I mean, I, it's, you say good and bad. Like, you know, when I came to Texas and there was practice on a Saturday, I was like, what is this practice that everybody's talking about? I had no idea. You know, it was back in like 2006, 2007. And, uh, or when I got a bike back in Texas anyway. And then, uh, so it's now that I'm kind of adjusted to that, yeah. like, I like the fact that if I don't want to race, but I want to go ride, you know, kind of an organized, even though it's not, some form of organized trail ride group thing, you know, I can go to a TCCR, I can go to a Toro, I can go to a Torx and all that, and I can get that Saturday practice. Yeah. Um, but it's play riding. Yeah. You know, I can just, just go see my buddies that are going to be racing and all that kinds of stuff. But at the same time, I really do feel that it, it wears the track out too much and it gives way too many people a chance to really memorize the track. Yeah. Um, and, and I, you know, even if it was a four or five mile track, I still feel that it's, that's detrimental yeah. to, to the racing that can happen in kind of the unknown circumstances. Yeah. And there's, you know, just like all the people that thought J-Day was a bad idea. It's a great know, idea. Look how great it is. Yeah. It's... And so, you know what I mean? It's the same people that's like, why would you have practice in an off-road race? It's everybody's yeah. different take on kind of different series and things like that. But the only thing I can say that I think is still a detriment to Texas is that they haven't changed in 30 years. Uh, there's so many things that are still kind of like, you know, the old boys club and, you know, the way that the races are run and some of the number systems and things like that. It's just kind of like, yeah, you scratch your head. I mean, I actually have a scratch, so I'm scratching my head. <laughs> but at the same time, I would actually scratch my yeah. head at some of the decisions that are made. It's funny you say that, though, because... I don't get on the forums much. I don't even have a forum name or anything, you know, like for the Matt Crouch Texas off road network right. or whatever that is. But um, I've been reading a bunch of stuff lately because the Toro series has branched out and are mm-hmm. trying the sprint enduro format stuff, yep. which I, for one, think the sprint enduro format is really good. Yep. It's, it's a change, you know, like you're saying. Um, 
But from what I'm reading on Facebook and like Twitter, Instagram, there's just a bunch of people that are like bitching about it. Yep. And I don't know. I think it's, yeah. it's, that's a tough one, you know? I think, and this is my take on it. We've talked a little bit about it on some of the other shows. Uh, and I've talked a little bit to other people personally about it. But my biggest thing is that, and I get it, they didn't, Toro was losing numbers. Like, they, they, you can tell that Toro in itself has been kind of lost the past couple of years. It didn't, it was not as defined as it was, you know, in its previous years when it was really still, when it had a purpose. Yeah. It was now, it was just a winter series and it kind of became another Texas cross country series where you practiced on Saturday and raced on Sunday. Yeah. It didn't have the same demeanor that it used to have where it was very little practice on Saturday and longer, harder, more you know uh, technical tracks on a Sunday, um, and so once that went away, but what what's happening is like they're trying. Like Brian Story was talking to me. Brian Story's going out to all these races, trying to figure out other ways to talk to the BOD for them to kind of ramp up Toro again. And that's when he started going to the sprint enduros. I started you know seeing him more, and obviously that's when uh, Jason Hooper started full gas. And I, so I was like, this is what you guys need to do. You need to get on this, like. This is how you guys need to rebrand Toro is to be a sprint enduro series. Just yeah. fuck it. Like just the people that are gonna love it are gonna get in there and love it, and the people that want to be haters haven't tried it. Period. Like that, I, I know that's what's gonna happen. And the biggest thing is that it, it's just a commitment issue. Um, it's because of the fact that if you look at Toro and t- it, like it's a nonprofit organization where nobody gets paid except for the BOD. I think I don't know if the BOD does or not, but typically within any organization, the BODs get paid, and that's why there's a BOD and they're not just employees. Yeah. Um, and so within that, you, you can only work people so long for so hard without with only you know like a free membership and free racing and all that kinds of stuff that comes to that. So if they were to reorganize a little bit to where they could pay people to actually be employees under Toro at an event. And then fully commit to a series. I think a big problem with this pro- this year was the fact that they tried to bounce back and forth. Yeah, you know, yeah. with that. And the problem was is that nobody could get in the flow. You know, you had somebody making decisions about a, a, a sprint enduro, but then they were making all the wrong decisions. Well, then the problem was is it was a whole another month or two months until they ran another race. And so then they really didn't get a chance to practice or fix all those problems. They probably all happened all over again because in between there, there was a cross country race. Yeah. So then they didn't even think about sprint enduros. Yeah. Um, So that, but that is unfortunately all an organizational thing. And I get it. Everybody that runs Toro right now is people that have real jobs and that have to do this on the side. Um, And it's tough as shit to, to make those kind of decisions when it's not your job. Yeah. I just thought it was weird how, like, I rode the first Toro of the year at Story's Place right. where they tried the Sprint Enduro deal okay. out. And, and um, like, I know the Ruck to Shells pretty well. And, like, I know how hard everybody works putting the Toro series together in general. You know, right. Sprint Enduro or not. You know, just a regular race weekend. They, they work their butt off. And, um, man, I thought for the first, the first race of the year to do the Sprint Enduro deal, like, I know they don't have their scoring system set up to do, you know, Hooper's deal is like where when you come in from a test, it's in the computer. Yep. Um, Toro's deal was a little bit different because they don't have the computer skills to score it that way. The right software. Yeah, they don't have the right software. Um, But for what they did and how they ran it, I mean, like, I don't understand how you could bitch about anything. You know, it was... 
It yeah. was about as perfect as it it's, could have been. It's so tough. Like, and I think this weekend, uh, and granted, I unfortunately have not had a chance to ride my dirt bike, and I'm so thankful that everybody reminded me, dude, there's a sprint dirt on Kalisburg. There's an hour from your house. You need to be there. You're right. I do need to be there. Like, And so we, we made it happen, and we were out there, and we had a fantastic time doing it. And honestly, I got in from the first and second test, right, because we had two tests, the test A and test B. We ran them four times. Yeah. So we had eight all together. And the first two, sure, you know, there was, I felt like, you know, and this was if I were to examine the shit out of it, right? Like, if I were to analyze the crap out of it, yeah, okay, I might have been sitting around for five more minutes than I wanted to. But what did that really give me? Is That gave me a chance for five minutes to sit around and talk to my buddies about the test, you know? So it's like, that's the kind of shit that I think people need to get, you know, back up off a little bit is the fact that we're having so much fun. Uh-oh. <laughs> the bottom line. Okay, so the, the board of directors does not get paid. We have gotten the official text from one of the board of directors' members. That was so, from Tyler Ruckdeshell himself. Yeah, there it is. So well, now we know. But it's interesting. Um, and I, I do commend them for trying, and I want to see more. And I if I had if, if I was pulling any kind of triggers, I'd go full sprint enduro next year, and you've got now a full 11, 10, 9 months, whatever you want to make it, to get the right software, get the right equipment. Yeah. Get the right people that are excited about it to be in there and, you know, and make it happen. And, yeah. you know, the people like you and I that have had a lot of fun at these Sprint Enduro formats will be there at the first round. And yeah. we're going to be trying to bring... I tried to, you know, get all kinds of people out, but they wanted to go play ride. And I was like, I'm just telling you, you're going to have a lot of fun because you're going to be, you know, it's play riding with everybody, not yeah. just your four or five friends. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I agree. It's, I think it's a great idea. And I think that the more they... I think it was put together at the last minute this year and which that was, you know, them just trying to figure out a way to make the series better. Like you were saying, you know, and kind of refresh everybody, but you know, they've got 10 months now, like you say, to sit down and think about it and, you know, put a full schedule together. And instead of splitting the schedule up, you know, just do a sprint enduro series and, you know, call it what it is, you know, and yeah, I think it's, it could lead to good things. It could be a lot of fun. It'd be great for the winter too, because then that way it's it's totally different. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you're just it's something completely different, and get more get more people amped up. The people that want to do cross country racing, they can come. They can still have fun and all that kinds of stuff. But yeah. and if you want to get really crazy and say, you know what, screw practice. You do sprint enduro on Saturday and a cross country on Sunday, and then everybody who wants to ride gets whatever kind of riding in they want. It's true. So, there's always that. So. Let us get Jared Bolton called into the show, and while I go about some of the more recent Dirt Buzz that has been going on in the world, of course, brought to you by DirtBuzz.com. So this past weekend, we had round three of works. Uh, South Point Casino, we got Blaine Thompson with the win, Justin Seeds in second, and Robbie Bell in third. This was an interesting one. We were kind of finding some of the information online where it was actually at a casino in Nevada. They They brought in tons of dirt and made a wicked cool track there at one of the at one of the casinos and just had a wicked cool time. I mean, it looked awesome. It all looked, the pictures jumping through the yeah, stuff and things. Looked like an indoor sand whoop track is all it looked like. Yeah, but the, it still looked really cool. It so. looked way different from an enduro cross yeah. that we've ridden yeah. in, in Las Vegas, which uh, well, any any riding in Las Vegas winds up at the bar, so yeah. I mean, it's good and bad. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we did have the super enduro in Brazil. Cody Webb, uh, overall of the event, they do have the three premier races. Cody Webb did get the win there. Johnny Walker, second, and Colton Haker in third. Cody Webb doing a little bit better than Walker, only uh, edging out one one point 
from Walker's lead, so he's nine behind now. We did have score this past weekend, the San Felipe 250 with the Ox Motorsports Colt Noodles team coming in first, Francisco Arorondo in second, and Kevin Murphy with SRT with Corey Grifunder, and those guys coming in third. Uh, we did have the, you know about this event, IXCR. Yeah, it's a local um, Indiana. It's kind of like TCRA, but the Indiana version right. of TCRA. Okay. Um, good series. You know, the place was at uh, Badlands, is what they call it. That's in Attica. Um, fun place. It's actually kind of sandy and and uh, whooped out. It's it's a fun place, though. I like it. Um, so we start to see Ricky Russell get the win. That's great confidence for him coming into this weekend with the Suzuki that he's going to be riding. Um, that new team, that Obermeyer Yamaha, or Obermeyer Suzuki team, it used to be Yamaha. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. And can you yeah. hear what Jared Bolton is listening to? Uh, muting it. What a jerk. <laughs> what a jerk. Um, <laughs> and then, of course, Austin Lee in second and Duel Murphy in third. And we did see that Chris Douglas was in fourth, and that is Ricky Russell's teammate, which we're actually going to talk with a little bit about some of the new teams. And, and by new teams, growing teams and how they have shaped and shifted. So with Fly Racing, look out this weekend for the limited edition gear for Daytona. That's going to be announced in the next two or three days. It'll be available for you guys. Uh, Kinda Tire, we've got full gas Sprint Enduro starting tomorrow for the yep. next two days. So that's sponsored by Kinda, which is awesome. And then SRT, as we said, third on the podium at the San Felipe 250. Fantastic. Thank you, DirtBuzz.com, for organizing all that information <coughs> on their Monday Buzz. Definitely check out DirtBuzz.com if you want to look for a different kind of lifestyle look at off-road and the love that we do put into the sport. So, Mr. Jared Bolton, we have to ask, how is your evening going, kind sir? You can't even hear me, can you? I don't think I'm getting any audio here. Let's see. Come Let on. me try it. You can do it. All that information on their Monday Buzz. Definitely check out DirtBuzz.com if you want to look for a different kind of that's lifestyle look at off-road. This is awesome. He's like watching the show and listening to the show, but then... He really has no idea what's going on. This is almost kind of fun. Let's let's uh, let's dissect Mr. Bolton. <laughs> so let's see, redhead, ginger. Yep. I like no audio. Is that is that he something? Ha- he has no audio. Do you feel that this is a thing for you that when you look at a computer, you go, I don't, I don't have a clue what's going on. Yeah. He, hey, type in there preferences. He looks lost. Audio. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he looks. <laughs> this is kind of fun. <laughs> he looks extremely lost. He's uh, like, oh my god. He's like, I've got great Wi-Fi, but I can't hear shit. <laughs> uh oh, we're about to be see it. He's about to get pissed. Ah! Here it comes, folks. Here it comes. Shit's about to get thrown. If this fixes it, I'm gonna be so mad. <laughs> <laughs> can you hear me now? Can you hear? Can you hear me now? I know, but it's still I fun to talk no about. I have no idea what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, look, it's just like... <laughs> <laughs> we can hear him a lot. What have an audio? I don't know. You know, you'd think that all these racer production guys... Yeah, I know. Nice, Come on, he's fancy. part of racer production. You think you can figure this out. Can you hear me? No audio still? No. Look how upset he is. Gingers get really upset. So upset. Real easy, too. Anything? (laughs) (laughs) 
I take it those guys can hear me though. Oh yeah. 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 yeah that's cool. I can't hear a word saying. Oh my god. This is so hilarious. Go to your preferences. 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 Uh it's because your is your phone plugged into it and it's jumping through your phone. Oh what a loser. Can you hear me now? I don't think I did anything. Can you hear us now? No. Go to your preferences, bitch. <laughs> thank you, Danger174, for tuning in to Seat Time tonight. Brian Pierce would like to thank you as well. Oh, yes, absolutely. So what are you finding over there? What's your Instagram channel saying? Uh, <laughs> the tech talk is strong with the group tonight. You like that? The tech talk is strong. 20, 29 truck liked my photo. Ooh, that's dirty. Yeah. He likes double like a photo? He like uh, I don't think so. Does it get weird? He likes a lot of my photos though. It's yeah. kinda weird. That is nice. Oh, that's nice too. You know, one question I have which is kinda weird. What's that? Why would why would Supercross get rid of Diana Dahlgren and replace her with What the heck? That's got yeah, I, I don't know what <laughs> that is. Because the anything. new chick we, we, is very, very Bad at what she's doing. Yeah, like she's, she's not. She's not there. Nope, absolutely not there. I would totally agree. I wonder if he were to listen to music, if he could even hear music right now, or if he would just be like totally freaked out. Well, hey, Stephen, let's go ahead and mute that while you guys see if you can figure that out, and then Matt and I will start to dissect a little bit about what we were going to chat about tonight. So. With GNCC, we've got 2016 series <coughs> upon us, and one of the things that comes with that is we've got riders that are coming back on the same teams. We've got riders that are coming back on new teams. Riders on the same teams, maybe different bikes, maybe a new bike. All the, I mean, there's all kinds of fun stuff that happens in the offseason. And, of course, we do have a couple injuries that happen that people are coming back from different injuries. So I figure a good way to do this, and we'll see if we can get Mr. Bolton into it, in, you know, in on the action once this happens. But... Um, you know, it's like let's go through some of the top ten kind of XC one guys yeah. from last year and kind of know, you know talk about where we know they're at, all that kinds of stuff, and then kind of you know just dissect it a little bit. Now Caleb Russell, three time XC one champion, um, on a three fifty. Yep. You know, he even finished, he even won one time on a one fifty. Um, yep. The the guy can rail. He was kicking ass at the ISDE, kicked ass last year, getting the national enduro title, getting the GNCC XC one title, and then you know on route. To really, you know, win at the ISDE as well before he wound up having his bad wreck and getting his knee all jacked up. Had to go get an ACL replacement done on his knee. So yeah. that's the big question is how has he recovered from that? Man, that's a tough one. I just don't know. It's like, yeah, all I can hear is Bolton's mouth. So, um, <laughs> that's, you know, I had the same Dolly Tour ACL a couple of years ago and it took me, he came back quick. Like, He's only been out of surgery what three or four months. Yeah, I mean, like he's he's quick. Like I couldn't do anything. Like I didn't start riding until like six months. And even when I did start riding, I was so like everything was just right. Like very slow. hesitant. Yes, yeah. Like and, and I've seen videos of him riding, and he looks good. Yeah, he, I mean he looks great, which I would have come to expect that. But I think fatigue is going to come into play personally i think that's going to be his biggest deal is can he get himself in good enough shape to go the three hours but i think the riding i think he'll be there right but yeah 
and you're 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 hitting right where I was too. Is it's that he does look awesome yeah. on the bike, and he looked awesome all last year and the years before that. So we know that him being down for a little bit of time with the surgery hasn't hindered his ability to ride. No. Right. And, no. And, and at this level, for most guys, it doesn't. Right. But yes, it's it's about the endurance at that point. Is that was he able to have enough? time to really get a base yeah you know to be able to go for three hours because i've only done one gncc and it was two hours and it was horrible yeah <laughs> i can only imagine yeah you know at my level trying to do three hours which would suck in itself i mean it's at that point it literally is just finishing yeah. for me right there's no racing it's just <laughs> riding for three hours so for them to be at that hundred percent you know that whole time that's yeah. that's where it's gonna be yeah no it's it's intense man like you know, I've done multiple GNCCs over you know the last five six years, and it's like you're saying the the two hour mark is is good, but then that last hour it kicks in, mm-hmm. and what it really hits you is like you come around and they give you the two lap board, and you're like seriously, you know, like I'm, I'm yeah, like I'm done already. Like the last thing I'll do is ride two more laps, but it's just it's crazy, man, because like you get done after three hours sometimes and. Like, you just don't, like, you get so sick. I mean, it's... You just collapse? You just collapse. Like, you're so tired. There's... It, it's bad. So, I think that's going to be a tough one for him. I mean, I think he's he's going to be in good shape. I have no no doubt about that, because I'm sure he's working his butt off. But yeah. that's, uh, that's going to be a tough one. I think by mid-season, he'll be back to full swing, but... I would say the first couple of rounds, he needs to uh, he needs to probably take it easy and you know see where he's at. Don't don't push it too hard. You know, the biggest thing is I remember, I think we did like a GNCC ramp up show before the second, before he won his second one. So he won his third, so before 2014. Yeah, in between 2013 and 14, and he heard on the show that I told him that he couldn't do it, right? And and he said that it's he's like it's that that makes me do it. He's like not only do I want it, but it's the people that doubt me that make me want to do it even more. And that's why I'm like, well, I'm not gonna say he can't do it because I yeah I've learned I'm a, I, honestly I've learned that lesson yeah like it, and he's done the XC one three times in a row. That's a super impressive. I, I honestly think the only thing at this point that can hold him back is his is his overall yeah. health. Um, yeah, guess what I, I, I don't. I don't doubt he can do it at all. I mean, the the dude is unreal on a motorcycle. So it's uh, it's just one of those things, man. You know, he's gonna have to get out there and he'll know. You know, after yeah. the first two hours, whether he's got it in the tank or not. You know, <laughs> that's, that's crazy. So, but no big changes there. He's gonna be on a. It's a little bit newer bike, but again, no huge changes to the bike. The biggest thing <coughs> is the fact that we know he had surgery. Uh, so we're going to see how that endurance goes. And that, that kind of watching that hour and a half to two hour mark and kind of like, does his shoulder slump and his house yeah. hold his head up and stuff like that. Uh, second place last year, Grant Baylor coming back. Same team, but big deal is new bike. And he's already been on the show and talked about the fact that that 450 FX is absolutely amazing. And he said that he, a lot of the testing and just jumping on the bike and kind of stuff they had to do with the old with the older YZs, they didn't have to do any of that. They just got on these bikes and everything was almost perfect and they just had to tweak from there on the new FXs. So 
it, with that kind of confidence in the way that he did at Sumter, getting the win there, there's a good chance that we're going to see a different Grant Baylor. Yeah. Uh, it, I say different. And it's not like he hasn't been performing before, but it's just the fact that Caleb Russell has always been outperforming everybody. Yeah. Yeah, so, I, I actually talked to uh, Tony Joyner okay. la- last week. Um, you know, he's a Yamaha guy. Yeah. He got a new 450 FX or whatever yeah, they call the FX, it. Yep. Um, he says that the thing is unbelievably good. I yeah. mean, you know, he's not, not even going to change anything. And I guess he's talked to some guys at Yamaha as well. And they're really not changing much on them. You know, they're, they got good suspension and, you know, they're putting a pipe on them and like, they're not changing anything like drastic like you would think you know they're they're really running a stock motorcycle that you could go buy at the yamaha shop and take out and ride so i think that's kind of cool that you know yamaha is actually they're like the only company right now that is trying to compete it seems like with ktm yeah you know because ktm is just taking the market but yep it's at least they're they're putting a little effort out there, you know? No, for sure. And, 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 you know, when they came out with the 250FX, that's when everybody was like, oh, okay, they care. Yeah. You know, for so long they had had, you know, the WRs and stuff like that, but they were really just these, like, pigs compared to the YZs and stuff. But, yeah, I mean, now that they have this off-road race model, it's, you can tell that they're really starting to say, okay, we need to compete. Yeah. We don't just need to be here. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and they are. I know a lot of people that have gotten on FXs, myself included, that have enjoyed them, and then other people as well that have gotten FXs and absolutely, and bought them, and actually, and loved them. Yeah. And loved the fact that the suspension is so good out of the box. That the unlike the, um, you know, getting all the the stuff you're gonna get with the KTM, the WP, the 4CS type stuff, and everything. How harsh it can be sometimes. So, having a good time. Josh Strang, third place last year. Same team, same bike. Kind of bringing that consistency. He's a guy that we always have seen have a really good base. He's always up there. Um, but again, you know, there are certain guys out there that just kind of seem to. Uh, do a little bit better but didn't he have an injury last year he did i forgot what he did there was but one or two races that he missed because of yeah an injury. and then he came back and he rode a couple of the national enduros to try and get get back going before some of the gncc's or something because it was like it was during the middle of the summer that he did that because he rode pennsylvania enduro or something so can he hear us now i think we're good can? all right so tell us about Josh Strang's injury last year. Now we're having trouble remembering, Mr. Bolton. Oh, he jacked his shoulder up. Okay. Yeah, he, uh, he had a practice crash, and I don't think, uh, I don't know if he broke his collarbone or if it was a separated shoulder. It was one or the other, but uh, he ended up sitting out this few races, which uh, ended up hurting him in the points, and he ended up finishing third. But had it not for that, been for that, I firmly believe he would have been second. Yeah. And I think it's going to be interesting uh, to see kind of how that nets out, you know, in, in the whole scheme of things. And if we were saying, like, if Caleb Russell does come in, I, I don't think Caleb Russell is going to come in slow. I mean, Caleb, you know, no. Caleb Russell doesn't do slow. Um, and I, But I think that if, if Caleb Russell does come out and he's not 100%, that that gives everybody a little bit of a chance to kind of even the playing field. But we'll see. Again, I'm by no means going to say anything negative no. about Caleb Russell because then it's just fueling the tank for that motherfucker <laughs> to try to prove me wrong. Um, so, uh, fourth last year, Chris Bach, uh, same team, same bike. Again, he's another guy that's shown good consistency. Um, he's really been growing a lot with the JCR team. We now have seen the JCR team grow hmm. their team consistently to a much larger team. They now have an XC2 rider in Bollinger. 
Um, I can only imagine that that team growth and that little bit better consistency within the team is going to trickle into Chris Bach. Um, you would think. Yeah. I mean, Chris is a amazing rider anyways. You know, he's he's always top five, top six guy at the GNCCs. Yeah. Um, I've known Chris a long time. He's he's just one of those dudes that he's he's talented. You know, yeah. he can... He can ride enduro cross. He can ride moto. He can ride just about whatever he wants, and he rips. So, yeah. and he did get a win last year. Um, yeah. So that I mean, that's to say that there's a great chance that he could be coming out of the gate ready to do that again, right, Bolton? Oh, absolutely. And uh, historically, he's done really well in Florida. Um, he's been on the been on the podium most years down here. So, uh, and actually, this is a uh, it's going to be. Not necessarily your typical wide open Florida track. Uh, we got some tighter stuff in it, so should be good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, is this is this the new Florida property, or is it like the one that, or is this is this a new new Florida property, or is this still one of the newer ones that they added like a year or two ago? Uh, this was new last year, okay. and act- it's actually a new old place. Um, we actually raced here back in 2003 and 2004, which anybody that raced back then would tell you probably one of the nastiest, muddiest races they've ever ridden. And this year is going to be the polar opposite of that. Sweet. Dry, dusty, and nasty. It's going to be awesome. Or that. Um, fifth place, Thad Duval. What have we What have we seen or heard? I, I know they're still, on, they're still on the Huskies. It's KR4, Thad Duval. Um I don't know too much about, you know, besides the Husky change, you know, a little bit uh, manufacturer-wise. He looked really, really impressive at the first sprint enduro. Okay. Uh, I believe he almost beat Milner. That's right, he did. He, he, was he beat him the, the first, first day. day. Yeah. yeah, that's right. And then I think he had some issues the second day. I think he crashed in one of the tests or something, but still, I mean, that's Milner at that kind of stuff is... You know that's his that's deal. His, that's his, yeah, yeah, that's his deal. So bread and butter to beat uh, to beat Milner head up at that deal. That's pretty pretty impressive. I think Thad's going to come out swinging this year. Personally, I think he's he's going to be one of the guys to watch for sure. I like that. What do you think, Bolton? Oh yeah, absolutely. And uh, he did get a win last year, so yeah, he's got, still kind of got that confidence among himself that he knows he can get it done. And I'm sure we'll see him get it done again. I like that. I like that. Uh, Ryan Sipes. This is kind of the big, the big question mark because we've seen Ryan Sipes consistently do a little bit better, being on the KTM's on his own team, then the Huskies on his own team, uh, kind of the air group deal, and now we've seen the Coastal Racing team expand um, from being a four, uh, from being the UTV team into a UTV team, a dirt bike team, a quad team, and and I don't and. I know you'll be able to speak to this more, Bolton, but you know I know Barry Hawk is in is the team manager. Is he in charge of everybody? I mean, is he kind of like the, or is he just kind of over the the dirt bikes and quads? Uh, mostly, mostly bike and quad. Which you know, what better guy to get than yeah. the only guy who ever won a championship on both? Yep. So uh, the the UTV thing comes from actually the guy that owns Coastal Racing, Scott Kiger. And uh, he's been a longtime UTV racer, so he's kind of the man when it comes to that. Yeah, and and then the the coastal side of things. I mean, tell tell us a little bit about what you've heard about about what people are thinking about this team because I, from the the UTV side of things, um, it looked like a company that 
you know, a gentleman that was really enthused about a sport, had a, a money to be able to put into it, kind of created a team around it, got the right sponsors, ran it like a legitimate business, not like an enthusiast, and did was very successful with it. So he was able to keep going with the sponsors in the team, and then and now been able to kind of bring that over onto you know a full complement to the GNCC series. Um, besides, kind of that's that's my outside looking in, obviously. Um, do you have a little bit more in depth about kind of like the the structure of the team and how things are kind of being built out? You're you're actually spot on there. I mean that's pretty well the way it went. And uh, those who don't know, actual actual coastal company comes from the they're a drilling company, right? And uh, that's big big money. And Scott has that money and very big enthusiast, and he's been kind enough to share that with. More than just his own race team, he actually. Uh, you see, I got one of the six day shirts from yes, last indeed. year. Yes, indeed. And actually, oh, there you go, coastal racing. So uh, Scott actually really helped out the six days team last year too. That's fantastic, and, and I know a lot of people are kind of like, "Oh, that's so weird," but it's great. Like that is fantastic because of the fact yeah. that that's really what it takes. And listening to the Paul Pomek show today from, you know, last night's show, like that was one of the big things they were talking about is like, what what does it take to get some of the bigger, more corporate sponsors in? And it was an interesting discussion. discussion. So when someone is an enthusiast and does have the funds that they want to bring back to a sport that they're an enthusiast about, like that's not something you should shy away from. Literally, unless they're being a detriment to the sport, just by like yeah. trying to cover things up with money, because that's a totally different story. And in this case, it doesn't seem to be what's going on. So I'm totally down for it. But if Barry Hawk, you know Ryan Sipes is a very, very experienced motocross, supercross racer, and he's becoming a much more experienced off-road racer. Has done extremely well, and has grown a lot. Um, do you know how much he's worked with Barry Hawk to maybe kind of try to hone in on those those off-road skills even more in the off-season? Uh, even when when Ryan first started making his transition, uh, Barry's kind of been not necessarily like a uh, not a mentor or anything, but he's always been one to give advice, not just to Ryan, but to anybody who'll ask. You know, you can... Obviously, bike and quad. If you need somebody to give you an answer about something, Barry's probably your best bet. He's a go-to for for anything. He's been there. He's done it. I still ask him stuff, you know, not just racing-wise, but even track stuff. You know, I may think, hey, uh, not sure about this. Let's see what Barry thinks. Right. <laughs> uh, Barry, so what's going on? <laughs> With him stepping out of the picture on our side, I've still thought some stuff. Well, what would Barry? How would Barry do this? So, uh, but yeah, I mean, he's been a real, real big help, not just for Ryan, but for everybody. And uh, I know from, from what I've seen, texts and Snapchat and other, other places, he's been helping out Ryan a lot, a lot more here recently, too. Nice. Well, uh, that is for Steven over there. We got you a beer, buddy. I'm going to open up another one over here. And so uh, it's going to be interesting to see. I think Ryan Sykes knows what he wants. He knows how he's going to be doing it. And he's probably excited to not have to deal with all the managerial kind of stuff that comes along with owning his own team and running his own team with the sponsors and all that kinds of stuff and could focus a little bit more on the writing. I mean, yeah. look how well Chad Reed's done just in eight months of closing down his team and then yeah. you know racing some Supercross under the Yamaha banner. So done pretty well. Yeah. Uh, Jordan Ashburn. Now that is an interesting story. Uh, you know, last year he was actually a late sign, 
to the Ampro team. So there may have been some back and forth on kind of like where he was going to be and where he was going to wind up with that team. Uh, but then this year, yeah, no, he's on a KTM. He's kind of like, you know, much more the privateer route. Um, I think it's just a local shop that's kind of helping him out. So that's going to be interesting. Yeah. Um, uh, he's Man, he's always good. You know, he's Jordan's one of those dudes that Bolton probably knows, you know, better than anybody because he sees him ride all the time. But the dude's talented. You know, he's just – he's one of those dudes that lives out in the woods and, you know, he gets on his bike and he goes and rides. Right. And that's, that's, like, what he does. So – I think the racing thing is probably a little different for him as compared to other people, you know, right. the way they look at it. But I think he's going to be one of those guys that he's going to go out this year and he's going to do good and, you know, on a non-factory effort, uh, you know, whatever right, you yeah. want to call it, you know, and and people are going to throw a big deal about it. But he's a talented guy, you know, yeah. that just because he doesn't have a factory ride really means nothing you know yep. so I, I think he's going to be one of the dudes that you know especially when you get to like snowshoe and pennsylvania and like some of the gnarlier rounds more technical contracts. he's he's got like talent to win at those places you know because he's he's a good rider so i uh i don't know what what's your opinion on that oh i agree with you 100 percent jordan has a ton of natural talent i mean it's it's unreal and uh, just like you said, anytime it gets – if it gets wet, if it's rocky, that's the guy you want to keep an eye on. Yeah. And, you know, I've, I've, I've kind of had a saying, and it's kind of a funny one. It's Jordan likes the mud. <laughs> <laughs> and that's just the truth. He didn't at the TKO in 2014 when he couldn't get up that hill because he yeah. had the wrong tire on. That was true. That I was, saw that, that firsthand. That was there. Yeah, that, that, was, that was a pissed off uh, – that was a pissed <laughs> off little blonde boy. Um. So talking, we got a couple more to chat about. It'll be Stuart Baylor Jr. and Andrew DeLong. We know Andrew DeLong is also injured last year and had some issues. Stuart Baylor Jr., unfortunately, lately always seems to be injured or coming from, be healing from something. Um, we know that, you know, his team, uh, his team was, well, didn't have it last year. The team he put together last year, he didn't have for this year, and so now he's with uh, the SRT team, which is awesome for SRT to have Stuart Briller on his team. Um, and they do have a couple other GNC, GNCC racers on the East Coast. But, you know, you know, Stuart's a guy that's. it seems like he's probably going to be a top, a top four or five guy and every now and again have a little bit more of a standout and get there on the podium. Yeah. Uh, I just don't know if he has the speed that he used to, mainly because of the consistency. Um, not to say that he's not as fast as he once was, but that just, just the consistency isn't there. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a that's a tough one. That's like one of the deals where, like, when you fill out your fantasy SX deal and you look at the name, you're like, yeah. man, like that's a. It's almost like a Christoph Porcel. Like you know he's super fast, but there's races where like he shows up to and he just like doesn't do very good at all. And yeah. then the next weekend. You know, like he'll show up to a national enduro and he'll freaking smoke everybody. Yeah, and it's like he did that last year at the the sprint enduro in um, Indiana, where me and Drew went to. You know, yeah, and yeah. Me and Drew beat him both days by a pretty fair amount of time. You know, and I was like, I even told Drew I, I looked at the results after the both days, and I was like, man, that's odd. You know, like because right. you know he's fast. Yeah, and then the next weekend at the national enduro, he freaking smokes everybody you know and wins the overall and it's just like how do you go from right that far back to that far 
beating everybody, you know, it's that's a that's a weird deal. I don't know. Yeah, it's an it's an interesting ebb and flow. It's a kind of uh, goes and it goes. Now, uh, in tenth place last year was Takesha Koiketa. I probably said that wrong, uh, but he's moved back home, so we're not going to be seeing him uh, this year. A couple riders to talk about: Ricky Russell, Daniel Milner, Jason Thomas, and Charlie Mullins. Charlie Mullins is back. He's on a bike. He's riding. He's having a good time, and we know he's excited to be there. Um, I think he's in that same boat as Caleb Russell. Like we know he's got the speed. We know he's got the talent, and its biggest thing is health, consistency, and endurance. Um, yeah. is, is where that's at right now because he hasn't raced, even though he's done the full gas stuff and um, and did really well at it. Yeah, um, it's that you know in this uh, what we talked about that three hour mark. That's where it like holy shit that'll wear mm-hmm. out on you. Yeah, that's so. uh, he, he's another one that I don't know. That's you know he's gonna be fast. But there's just no telling. Florida's always different too, man. It's like <clears throat> I don't know. Bolton can can tell you Florida's always crazy compared to the rest of the series. So it's uh it's hot and there's sand whoops and you get real tired. <laughs> it's a pretty good Yeah, yeah. Oh, and if you've never ridden over a Palmetto's, like Palmetto roots suck. Yeah. But Unless you like them. Then they're, like, really, really fun. Yeah. Well, it's like in Florida, Garrett Edmiston hauls ass down there, you know, and and people forget about him, and then the first race of the year he shows up and, you know, pulls the top five off, and they're like, well, who is this dude, you know? But he's uh, in Florida. He he hauls, you know? Oh, yeah. They don't call him the Sandman for nothing. (laughs) Like, that dude is unreal in the sand. I mean – and especially like if you go to an FTR race, he can almost beat anybody straight up at an FTR. Yeah, it's pretty gnarly. Yeah, didn't he beat uh, Bach and Douglas earlier this year? Yeah, yeah, a few months, couple months ago, last yeah. month, whatever that was. Yeah, yeah. he uh, just straight up, straight up beat him. Yeah, that's what I thought. And we had uh, uh, we had Jerry Robin get mentioned in the chat room. Yeah, that was a good point. It's like you you even brought that up yeah. earlier. Is that we were talking about that in different names? So he did fantastic at that full gas sprint enduro. He was did really good at Loretta Lens when he was still kind of only I guess doing motocross. Now he's kind of yeah. doing a little bit of everything. But yeah, that was another. Uh, I don't know. I when when I looked at the results from the the first sprint enduro, <clears throat> the two things that really stood out to me were number one, Ryan Sipes didn't do near as good as I figured he would do, which I thought was all. I thought because he had a sensational end to last year. Right. You know, he was winning races, and he was in the top three at every race. And yep. then the first sprint enduro, he was sixth or something, yeah. fifth, sixth, somewhere. He wasn't right what, where, what, where I thought he would be. Yeah. yeah, and then, you know, you have Jerry Robin, which is uh, Loretta's motocrosser turned – off-road guy this year apparently and he comes out and you know lays it down and i think he was like fourth or fifth overall so that's i think robin's gonna have a tough time with the gnccs are a completely different animal than the sprint enduro right florida will be kind of similar but when they get back to like you know the carolinas and like the hills and the roughness and especially West Virginia, like the roughness of those tracks right. and stuff. I think he's really going to have to he's going to have to dig deep 
you know, because that, that's something completely... Totally different? Yeah, that's that's opposite of Loretta Lynn Motocross. That's a lot of ass-kicking. Yeah. Yeah, unfortunately, uh, Lucky Guy 19 in the chat room said that uh, he broke some ribs this week. So there's a, he's missing the first round in Florida. Well, that sucks, because um, yeah, I would think Florida would be... That would have been his his, yeah. his cup of tea. Yeah, I would say Florida was, was his shot at doing real well. Oh, well. Well, there went that. Yeah. Um, so, uh... Before we gotta, unfortunately, we gotta kind of start to, to figure out a way to get Jimmy Lewis on because Jimmy Lewis is following you up, Bolt on. I hope you know that. So that's weird that you know, but he's cooler than you. Yeah, he is. Like, you know, he's got six days medals. I don't. So <laughs> you just have a six days T-shirt. <laughs> I got a six days shirt, and I've got a six days ripoff helmet. I call it a ripoff, but it just kind of like. It looks like the skunk stripes, but not really. Right. Well, I'll give it to you. Yeah. I'm okay with it. I don't even have a knockoff skunk helmet, so. So what do you think? We've got the Coastal Racial Team, Obermeyer Suzuki. Um, Honda has stepped up their program, so you can kind of say that they've got a newer program coming into the year. Um, you know, how do you, how do you kind of expect to see them doing this year coming into the GNCC for 2016? This is shaping up. This is really shaping up to be one of the most stacked years we've ever seen. I mean, you've got not not just everybody you mentioned, but you never know when somebody can come in and do something. That's the thing about GNCC is you can have a virtual unknown come in, and all of a sudden they're up there with everybody else, and. It doesn't necessarily happen as much as it used to, but if I think back to like, I think it was 2004 on the quad side, Bill Buddy race in Kentucky, and this was back when like Bill Balance was like God on the quad side, and a guy named Jeff Stos won. He's a guy from Kentucky, and actually, he came out and rode sweet whenever we had the Mammoth in Kentucky a few years ago. So, I mean, that's the thing about GNCC. Anything like that can happen. But, obviously, you've got your favorites. You've got Caleb. You've got both players, really. You've got Bach. You've got Bad. It's hard to say. You know, we still yet to see an XC2 guy winning overall. Uh, the, likely, the likelihood of that is still... don't really see that necessarily happening, but it's not impossible. We've seen guys get close. Jesse Robinson got close at Snowshoe one year. Uh, Stu Baylor was close quite a few times there. Yeah. You know yeah, Stu Baylor and Grant Baylor both were close to doing that, weren't they? Both of them. Yeah, and actually, with this, this year's XCT class, it's really, we were actually talking about at dinner a little earlier. Like, it's hard to pick a clear favorite in XCT. You got, you got Bollinger, who's on the Honda team, as you mentioned. That's. <clears throat> A step up in support for him, with some, you know, with a, with a little bit better bike and some more direction for him, he could really, really be a uh, heck of a challenge. And then actually, Nick Davis, Nick Davis with a switch to the Ampro team. Not only does he have, well, he's also got a lot of the direction with Andy Hawkins. Yeah, man. Yeah, that's true. I didn't even think uh, about the Nick Davis thing. Yeah, I completely forgot about him. Yeah, it's kind of tough, you know. The amount of time we've got and kind of like trying to cover so many things, it's tough to, to, to dive into everything. But that's true. We didn't really get a chance to talk too much about a lot of the XC2 class. 
and what's going to be going on there. And I like the fact of what uh, Bolton was pointing out that we haven't seen an XC2 guy like really win the legitimate time, you know, timed yeah. overall. Um, but I, you know, we'll see. I, I think I think Grant Baylor was if anybody was going to do it, it was going to be him. Yeah, and it hadn't happened. Yeah, so. the the XC1 guys are too fast right now. With guys like Charlie and Caleb winning, yeah. it's like nobody's catching them. Yeah, we're starting to see a, a resurgence, a little bit of a regrowth. I mean, the fact that we've got not just, you know, with KR4 being able to grow as much as they have in the years that they've been going on, with Coastal being able to come in with the team that they have, been able to like bring on riders like Sipes under their banner. I mean, I, I think we're starting to see a little bit more money back in kind of like the off-road side of the sport yeah. and i think that's awesome i mean it just it makes for better racing and much more competitive racing because there's people that are on that can be much more on the same level playing field when it comes to bikes and racings and training and all that kinds of fun stuff so then we can let the skills kind of work themselves out and not the equipment yeah you know be the detriment factor to some of the racers yeah uh, or detrimental factor to some of the racers so my my real question is uh how is leonard allman looking for florida i mean is he in <laughs> shape or i mean what's the deal there you know he's uh he's had a few too many butt heavies and uh sort of <laughs> packed on some but uh you know that's race fuel for him yeah I mean, you know, he's just he's loading up on those cars is what it is and uh i've always heard Leonard has this saying, like, you know, you can train all winter all you want, but if you go out and break your leg in the first turn, where's your training now? Like, what's the point? <laughs> so, uh, you know, Leonard, he'll kick back, break him about 15 or 20 pound heavies, throw in a skull, call it a day, you know. He might go ride a couple of times a week, but, you know, usually just, you know, ride over some logs, do some donuts, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Work on grooming his mullet. And uh, usually, oh, I think last time I talked to him, he was working on cutting off a new pair of joints. So. Yeah, it's those kind of guys like that you got to watch out for. You know, they just come out of the woodwork and like. Or the, find and become friends with, and then just make sure you have your video camera going. This is true. It's like the one dude from Supercross Dallas. Well, no. Oh. What's the one guy that lives in New York that comes and rides every year with the open face helmet? Um, oh, uh, Ben Bowen. Yeah, Batman. dude, freaking halls, and like he yeah. shows up at Unadilla, like XC one pulls whole shot, <laughs> leads the first two laps, <laughs> making it happen, <laughs> living the life. Yeah, uh, actually, unfortunately, we're gonna have to put a chin on his helmet now because it is actually a written AMA rule that you have to have a chin on your helmet. Oh, that's bull. Yeah, that's kids are getting so. I don't know what the word is. It's just like... Did you just say that? How old are you? I'm not that old. You're not older than me, so it's okay. Well, I'm 27, but... Yeah. I mean... And you just said kids these days... They're, they're getting so... It's just like... You know, what happened to the days when, you know, you just threw on a chest protector and, you know, on an open-face helmet and, you know, just went out there and, and went for it, you know? That was back in the good days. You know, Leonard Allman, that's what I expect from him, you know? So Except... You're going to see him wear an open-face helmet and a chest protector to the bar, not to the line of a race. Yes. Yeah. Like, but that's still the expectation. Yes. Yes. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> the representation is there still. Yeah. yeah. It's all for the sponsors. <laughs> it's just like everybody is represented very well here. 
Well, uh, we got to we got to get to Jimmy Lewis. Unfortunately, <coughs> we were going to have him on, and we we ran a little late just getting you going. Uh, we definitely want to talk more GNCC, so definitely pay attention to us, Bolt On. We're going to have you on. Um, we're going to kind of figure out how it works and to make this kind of work out. But what does your next Tuesday look like? And then because I know you guys are probably going to be traveling to Georgia to go do round dose. Yeah, uh, next Tuesday we will – imagine by Tuesday night, like Tuesday afternoon, we will be in Georgia uh, ready to go. And are we going to get you at another Starbucks this year? Uh, Probably not. Probably not. It's only like five hours from here to to the race in Georgia, so I'll I'll be there before nine o'clock. Like, not a problem. Perfect. Perfect. Oh. Well, he's the one dude that they hate at Starbucks that walks in at like right yeah. before closing time. Oh, they kicked him out on the show one time. I saw that one. Yeah, yeah. that was epic. <laughs> epic dude got kicked out of Starbucks on the show. This girl just kind of comes over and she's just like. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> and then he goes and sits sits in his car and calls us back and we're like, "Hey, they didn't turn their Wi-Fi off, so I can call back in if you want." So we sit in his car outside the Starbucks, calling into the show, and we're still like, "Well, here we go. Let's just keep talking." Hey, if it works, let's go for it. Right? Yeah, All right. So if you had one question, uh. To ask Jimmy Lewis, what would it be? <coughs> oh man, Jimmy Lewis. Let's see. I'd probably ask him what was the most epic moment of days, the year that they won, that the junior team won gold when he was on the junior team. I like it. I like that good question. Good. I'm gonna actually have to write that one down. And how big was the party afterwards? Say it again. What was the best the best day? What was the what was the most epic experience? There you go. Your junior trophy winning six days experience. What year was and how big? What year was that that they won? Well, I want to say like it's early nineties. Um, I can tell you in a minute. I've got like a cheat sheet. <laughs> That's weird. Are you? What are you? Do you have it tattooed on your dick? Yes, I do. <laughs> you just immediately looked down. I was like, well, "This is awkward." It is like a. It is an extremely small tattoo. <laughs> it's like a balloon, like a rubber band. You gotta like get it up really quick, just so you can look at everything that's on it. And then it shrivels back, and it's just a bunch of dots. <laughs> Exactly. That was 91. 91. <laughs> he really does have a cheat sheet. That's scary. That's impressive. Uh, is impressive the right word? Yeah, because, like, you know, I like, you know stats, I get so. asked a lot. I get asked a lot, and I can remember a lot of off-road, like, randomness, but there's a few, like, i got to have a few things, like, on reserve where I'm like, hold on, let me look. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Well, dude, thank you for coming on. Sorry we had you had a little bit of technical difficulties on your end, and it got cut a little bit short, but we'll be looking for some bolt-on updates. We still haven't gotten your videos that you said you were going to send us for the for the shows. Oh, yeah, that's a, good, that's a good idea. You know what I need to do? Nope. I need what? to go, like, in the middle of the 1 p.m. bike race this weekend. Like, just go out and just do it. Yes. Please. Bikes buzz on me. I, I think that's sweet. a fantastic idea. 
Sounds like a good plan. Do it, my friend, and then tell us about all your greatness. I will. All right. Thank you very much for the time, kind sir, and we'll definitely be chatting soon. Oh, yeah, sounds good. Okay, bye. Peace. Peace. Dog. Bitches. So we're going to run a little late tonight, and you know what? This is seat time, and that happens sometimes. We're going to call in Mr. J... <laughs> I was trying to not actually look over there. I couldn't help but see it. I was just like, ah! I like it. I'm glad that you did that. Um, yeah, so we're going to get Mr. Jimmy Lewis on and talk a little bit about what he's got going on, on the West Coast, doing all the King of the Motos stuff, not King of the Mountain. King of the Mountain. King of the Mountain. King of the Mountain. <laughs> And uh, all the other fun stuff, because this guy's in the rally, this guy's in the dirt bike test, this guy's in all kinds of crazy shit. And uh, obviously, we get to find out about the after party for 91 six days days when the junior team won. 91 six days. Yeah. It's going to be pretty intense. Brian Story was probably riding six days still. Yeah, he may have been there. Probably. Dude, Mr. Jimmy Lewis, sorry it took us so long, but Bolton is one hell of a talker. (laughs) Do we have audio on this one? Well, I think we do. I can hear you just fine. (laughs) If you can't hear me, it's because of the fact that my voice is too high-pitched. Maybe it's us, Steven. Is it us? Any audio? Yeah, we can hear you. I can see. I can't hear you. Uh Uh-oh. Okay. What are we doing wrong? Is it ours? Like where? Me. Oh wait, that works. That worked. Can you hear me now? Yeah, yeah. Can you hear me now? I can. I can hear you now. Sweet. All right, we're just gonna go with it and see what happens. So we have to come in and just ask about this because Bolton told us about it, and I was like, oh my gosh, this has to be epic. So definitely, what's the most epic experience from six days when the junior team won? I think it was back in '91 that he said, and then part two. What was the after party like? Um, let's see. You and remember? Do you I've remember? Hit, <laughs> I've hit my I've hit my head plenty of times, and so yeah, the, man, that was like that was really stressful because you know you're young, racing in a foreign country, doing all this other, you know, just trying to keep everything going, and, and it's not just you, it's not just your race. You have your whole team and your whole, you know, the the all the U.S. off road riders are cheering for you. I mean, not at the speed they do now with all the internets and stuff, but just there's a lot of pressure. And I just remember how tense I was just not wanting to screw up because at that point you don't care about your individual result. You're just doing it, you know, for the team. So you're actually kind of, we knew we had a, at at that point when um, one of the, I think it was the the check riders broke his collarbone and they were the ones that were kind of back and forth with with us for uh, for the lead. And then we had a little bit of a cushion, and it was just, just don't blow it. And you're like, don't crash, don't break your bike, don't, you know, don't do anything. So it's, it was kind of stressful, and I don't re- really remember, like, you know, all the day-to-day intricacies of it. Right. But it was just kind of just getting your, getting your ass to the finish line. That was, that was the goal on that one. I can understand that. Yeah, I think we've all been like that. I, I've been at a bar a couple of times and met a couple of chicks and felt like that was the goal. <laughs> just get your ass to the finish line. <laughs> <laughs> it's all about the team at that point. You know? <laughs> um, so, 
You guys win now. Okay, and, and we've, <coughs> uh, we'll just say it. 2012 Germany. I got a chance to go to ISDE. I've talked about the after party, and stories continue to come up, and I'm gonna keep talking about them. But I, I know what that after party was like. We had an okay thing. We did fine, you know. But that was my first time, first and only ISDE. Had a fantastic after party. It was it was amazing, and it was great. I can only imagine though. In 91, when there was much less to give a fucks that somebody had a camera being able to catch some stupid act that you would have done in the corner of some <laughs> area with people, um, that in, that you guys had an interesting after party. It, I, I remember it wasn't bad. In fact, I still have the champagne bottle like that we got at the awards ceremony that we carried to the after party, and I don't recall exactly how we got from one place to the other other than we had all these little kind of um skoda rental cars and i i didn't drink much back then and so it was uh it probably wasn't as crazy maybe it was crazier because you know the, the little bit of champagne and a few beers i had and those those were a little bit stronger than beers we had over here again you're in you're in kind of um you know, Eastern Europe, back when Eastern Europe was Eastern Europe, yeah. or just transitioning, transitioning out of it, and it was it was pretty wild. I mean, I, you know, it's a lot of the U.S. teams there, but all the teams kind of come to this just huge, I just remember it being, you know, they, they figure out somehow, in whatever town you're in, you figure out where the, the best bar is or the best club is, and you kind of end up there. It's just, it's different in Europe. I mean, that's one thing that drew me over to the racing there is there. They're 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 enthusiastic about racing, but they're just as enthusiastic about the the after party and kind of the celebration. It's something we miss kind of over here. Everybody here, you go to the award ceremony or the the podium, and then they're gone. Yeah, <laughs> so. I'm not gonna lie. I really miss good after parties. Like that's one of the things I I tr- truly enjoyed about racing mountain bikes so much is that you get like most of those events are sponsored you know and they were for a long time by uh, New Belgium you know because yeah. Fat Tire was like the is it still is really the mountain bikers beer and you go and there's a guy with the you know it's sponsored by New Belgium he's got a keg you know oh how I raced you know hey are you old enough yeah here's my ID all right cool here's your beer. And you get those until you don't want to get them anymore, or until the cave's gone. Yeah. And it's like, why is it that that can't be a thing? At, you know what I mean? Like, I feel like I'm a responsible adult. I'm probably going to have two more than I should, which means I'm a responsible adult because that's what every responsible adult does. <laughs> it's um, a good idea. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, get a beer, absolutely, please do. <laughs> um, and so I, I don't know why that's not a thing. Like, what? We all drink the beer. We get done and go have a water and beer. I don't know. It's weird. Is there a stigma? Do we have a stigma? I don't know. I just think it's like what I was saying earlier, kind of about the the old thing and, you know, the young kids, and you kind of started making fun of me. I think it's like for some reason everybody's got this, like, mentality in their head where, like, back when he was at Six Days, you know, it was like old school and everybody was hardcore and – you know, like nowadays it's gotten so lame and like tamed down that it's just like, I don't know. It's a complete everybody's a winner. Basically. I, don't, I don't, I don't think it's any more, I don't think it's any more tame. I think guys are training a lot more and they're a lot more serious. And like I said, there's all the, the, the stuff that goes on with social media and there be, might be pictures of something that, you know, they didn't, they didn't want. So they're a little, a little more uptight about it. I don't, I don't think it was any different in any time. You know, there's, well, there's little differences, but just the overall, you know, stigma of it isn't, I don't think it's that much different. Well, that's yeah. good. 
because he's yeah, he's more in it than we are, and yeah. that's okay. Yeah. When when okay. you know when you're when you're focused on it, when you're racing and you're focused on it, you know you, that's that's what your job is. And you talk about how much training you do, and you can you know you can you can party a little bit maybe, and a lot of guys do, but they kind of have to do it in secret because <laughs> it's like, <laughs> hey, that's not part of my training program anymore. Yeah, back <laughs> off, bro. This isn't on my whole thirty diet. Um, I. And speaking of that, like that was interesting. That one when I got to go to Vegas, I think you were there, 2013. You were there, we were there. We didn't know we were both there. We went to the Alligator Bar afterwards, and you always heard about the Alligator Bar, blah blah blah. That is a legitimate, crazy, fucking good time. It's a party every year. Like that's holy balls. Well, it's. I think that's just rooted out of convenience. I mean, it's that that bar is what a quarter mile walk at most from where the event's taking place. <laughs> yeah. And, 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 and it's a quarter <laughs> mile that everybody has to walk because they, they're either going to their car or going into the hotel. And so the way they go into the hotel is past the alligator bar into the little thing where you didn't go to your room. So it's like, Oh wait, good times. Let's stop here for a little while. And you don't, you stay there for the whole night. <laughs> It's a setup, and and and, and being a you know a small race promoter, at my king of the mountain race that you know about, you know, that king of the mountain race I do, um, king of the mountain, yeah, mountain. I, I'm I'm guilty of that because like one guy came up to us at the end of the race this year and he's like, hey, where's the party and the celebration? And obviously he'd been to some races in Europe or down down south in South America and stuff, and they do that. And I'm thinking, man, we have this monster, this big huge monster stage there, and I mean last year the year last year they're having a Super Bowl party there because the Super Bowl was right. going on the same. The race. This year there really was nothing going on. I'm like, why didn't we? Why didn't we even think of that? You know, and it was it's you know we're gonna fix it. <laughs> we'll make it yeah. better. Oh, dude, I I'm all in for that kind of stuff. Like, yeah, I don't know. Like maybe that's what I need to do in life: be like a, a fun times promoter. <laughs> uh, you could start your own series. I mean, yeah, I could start my well. No. Oh, it's it's simple. Just start promoting races. Yeah, just that's that's where everything's at. Race promotion. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, totally. I'll become famous and 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 rich in no time for yeah. sure. It'll be, Texas, be, Texas needs another series for sure. Yeah, yeah. Like, good God, that is the last thing we need. <laughs> You're right. Thank you for pointing that out to me. Um, well, dude, so King of the Motos or King of the Mountain, whichever seat time show you happen to be watching at the time. Um, how has that evolved for you? Um, and I ask that question because do you feel that it has evolved into the event that you wanted um, and, and, you know, throughout the years? And then kind of like where do you see it evolving into? Um, I mean, like I, I've done all different kinds of racing. You know, when I, when I started, I started as a kid racing motocross, transitioned off-road, started enduros, started desert racing. Found out what ISDE was, did everything in my power to get over to be able to do ISDE, started doing rallies, you know, mostly because it was a, you know, again, it was another dream. And then the, when I was doing rallies, then I wanted to do extreme enduros. And I got lucky to be able to do the Gisele Classic, which, you know, you're talking old school. Right. I was I was a kid at the time when that was kind of going away. And then uh, was able to do Roof of Africa back when it was a car race as well as a mm-hmm. motorcycle race. And, and I, man, I just had a passion for extreme enduro because when I'd go riding with my buddies, that's what we would do. Right, the and crazy like, shit. I want to put a race like that on here. And, and, uh, but there was never the stage for it. And I didn't want it to just be you know 20 guys out in the desert and, and maybe one photographer it needed to be bigger than that. And I was like, how do we get television? How do we get all the things? And 
at the time, uh, they're just being unproven or having no way of doing it. You don't have anything to, to, to sell. And, you know, I wasn't an Eric Pinard who I had a, a history of doing things, yeah. uh, you know, building up to this event. So I, I found this thing called King of the Hammers. I was literally riding across the desert and I saw this city in a place where there was nothing. And I thought it was a military operation. I thought, oh, I've strayed onto the military base on accident. I better get out of here. But then yeah. I, did a little, I did a little research because it is right next to where the military base is. I did a little research and said, uh, that's that race. I know about that. And I know the rock canyons. That's the best gnarly extreme stuff we have legal to ride on probably in the United States. And I'm like, okay, uh, I got to find out who's in charge of this. And it was funny because evidently Dave Cole, who's the promoter of that, had tried to contact me at one point and I probably blew him off because, you know, I'm like that sometimes, I guess. But then I contacted Dave and said, hey, let's let's do this. And he told me to pound sand and then called back 45 minutes later and said, yeah, we're going to do this. And that's that's where it's that's how it kind of started and every year we're trying to make it a little bit better grow it and like it's tough with the the climate just it sponsors especially just being a one-off race it's tough you know it's tough to get a lot of momentum going with it but it's 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 got incredible outreach i mean the we have a live television a live broadcast that goes out you know of course on the internet but uh it's it's a got a really good live show that goes along with it the amount of traffic the 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 highlight reels and everything i mean we got on the front page of yahoo sports um right after the event probably one of the only motorcycle events that does that without killing somebody right you know <laughs> yeah. so uh, you, you know it, we, we we did it on good craziness you know yeah. and, and uh, bat shit so, craziness <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm i'm stoked at i'm stoked at how it's gone my problem is just like how do i make this tougher for the top guys you know how do i challenge the the cody webbs the you know the taylor roberts the the you know the max gerstens and kyle redmonds of the world how do i how do i challenge those guys and still make it doable and fun for the for the amateur rider that says i want to ride on the same course and the same tracks and see how how good i am that was me i mean that was i wanted to go race against the best enduro riders in the world and try to finish some of these races and um you know, I was able to do that, and that's what's awesome about events like Erzberg and and Romaniacs and you know, see the sky. And uh, it's uh, yeah, it's like I said, it's been a kind of a dream, and now it's a challenge. Yeah, I've had a lot of fun doing the TKO, which has been fantastic. I've been out there the past two years, and I've signed up again for this third year to go. This past year, I actually qualified to do Sunday, which was which was my goal. Um, but you know, my dad gave me a bunch of shit for it, and a bunch of other people did too. But I opted out just because one, I was sore and I was in pain, and two, I really wanted to take pictures. And that's I, we do a great job, I think, doing that, putting the photo epics together from different off-road events that we can make it to. We don't have funding for that; we just make it happen because of cool people. Um, but yeah, I love that shit. Like I love being able to be out there, kind of on amateur day. Because I'm definitely that guy, <laughs> totally an amateur. This shit. Um, <laughs> But, you know, kind of kicking ass, taking names, and feeling like I'm kind of accomplishing things that uh, on my my normal terrain that I wouldn't really I wouldn't really come across or or opt in to do. Yeah. You know? So I, I'm I'm glad that that's a part of the plan in the in the bigger picture and that, that doesn't seem to go away. And I totally agree that if you look at the European events, that's what you see. Like seven eighths of the people there are the ones that pay for that event. Yeah. And those are the guys like me that one day want to go to that event 
to be able to do it and make it a quarter of the way and feel like that was an accomplishment because it's that damn difficult. <laughs> like in in Europe, there's a whole other dynamic that we don't really um, get to see here because we have so much availability to go riding. A lot of those extreme enduros are some some for especially for guys that live in some of the countries that have no open riding that's a chance for them to actually go riding maybe for more than 45 minutes or more than around some six mile loop. I mean, they can do this, you know, this extreme enduro and you see things like Erzberg, there's no open riding in Austria. That's the only time that you can go do something that crazy. So a lot of people are signing up and they have, there's no way their skill level is ever going to let them get more than maybe past the start line in some of these races, but they just want to go and, and do it to take the challenge to go riding, to say they did it. And then, party yeah (laughs) and once that once they fall off their bike and they're done for the day man they're out running around in the woods you know watching so it's a little bit like you know they they it's like the gnccs you get to race on the same course as you know the top guys and maybe you do it in the morning and you 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 know it's a little bit different course but you get to do it in the morning you can go watch the guys in the afternoon um watch the top guys so it's it's got a little bit more of that you know that that fan aspect to it but they don't get to ride so much so that's why they get these huge, you know, thousand rider, you know, people, you know, thousand riders that sign up or you watch, you know, something like Romaniac sell out in two hours. You know, it's just, I mean, Romaniacs is crazy because you get to ride for three days. Right. I would actually like to do that. Romaniacs is the one where you have, you have a GPS track, right, that you're following. Um, Correct. It's not, yeah, that's the one. Now that I've done a little bit of rally, that's the one that I would really like to be able to do. You haven't had a chance to do any rally, have you? No, I was actually going to go out like two years ago. I was supposed to go out and do the the king of the mountain, for say. Um, <laughs> if you will. Yeah, if you call it that. But uh, <laughs> I ended up not getting to go. I wanted to go to it, and I still do want to go to it one day because I've done um, knockout like two or three yeah. times. Um, you know, the enduro, some of the enduro cross races, uh, last man standing, um, a few of the other, whatever the other races were that were kind of like that. Yep. And, um, I like stuff like that. I, I think the king of the moto deal is cool just because it's, it's super hard. Um, and it's a, kind of a completely different. Oh, come on. It's easy. Well, girls, <laughs> girls, have, girls have finished. Yeah, you say that, but yeah, but he's he's a redheaded ginger, so it's like one of those things where he's got issues. Yeah, uh, I I would want to do it because it's a, uh, I mean, going to California, that kind of stuff for me is just cool because I don't I haven't been out there a lot, right? Yeah. Like that's just in itself. Like if my dad and I, or like you and I, or whatever, we're traveling to California to go do a dirt bike race, like that in itself is like oh, like awesome. Like we're traveling to do this kind of stuff, but then the terrain is something we just don't have. Like, sure, we have West Texas, which is can be nasty and gnarly for rockiness and the things of that nature, but what they have in these rock canyons that he's talking about is something we just don't have. And so, yeah, I would love to go do something to that degree. Um, pulling the trigger is a whole other uh, problem. We also have... <laughs> Yeah, we also have a little bit of navigation. Like you said, we're a little bit like Romaniacs in that we use, you know, track logs. So it's not really rally navigation. There's a big difference. You're getting essentially right. a track log. So it's it's kind of in, in compared to rally navigation, it's, it's simple. It's keep your little arrow on the on the cookie crumb line. Yeah, because you're line. following like footprints right at that point on the GPS. Uh, there are some places where there's only one track. There's you know I I managed to take my motorcycle through the entire course at least once. 
before the event, you know, to get an actual track log of where the motorcycle will go. Um, but um, it's it's a it's yeah you got to pay attention. It's really hard, and and I, I know some of the racers have been on. They've talked about how hard it is. You actually have to adjust your your race pace and how you do it. And it's kind of funny, especially on our second loop, the first lap, to watch everybody place you know play chase the chicken you know whoever whoever decides to go out front they start going and everybody chases after them and it's so funny when the first person goes the wrong way and everybody goes and then all of a sudden you see someone look down and go wait i'm off my track log and the first guy to look down to you know head back he goes back and then the other ones realize it they look where did everybody oh wait he's over there and then (laughs) i I find these good vantage points during the second loop you know the second loop i go watch and just watch them chase each other around love it (laughs) you can tell. You can tell having been over to Romaniacs and watched. You know, you watched Jarvis especially. Um, he was really good at it, and um, there was a Lettenbettler was also um, really good at the navigation, and they knew how to. You know, they knew how to kind of follow the track logs, and it was almost like they did that that thing that they do in rallies where when you're the the you know the the lead guy you try to break away so everybody can't follow you that's one of the tricks in rally is to be able to navigate away from the front because once you're out of sight then all they have to follow is the tire track and then there's places where you can't see the tire track so it helps out yeah um switching kind of the rally discussions i kind of want to know what you think about the fact that i wouldn't say it's a very large growth in rally in the united states but from you know, two years ago when I was talking with Scotty Broman and finding out about the Baja Rally going on and getting a chance to go do that with my dad down south in Baja, which was our first experience down there, to now where we're seeing a little bit more with the Sonora Rally coming up in April um, and then a couple more rallies going on south down in Mexico. Um, it's see- And there's talk of more rally events possibly in the United States, like legitimate you know navigation rally events going on. It seems like there's some growth to that 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 event uh that style of event in the united states and i didn't know if you kind of noticed that if you how do you feel about that and you know your thoughts on on that there is i mean there's always there's always this small nucleus of rally type riding and i and when i when i started when when i basically the first time i went over isde and this is 1989 I, I saw the guys with the, the trickiest bikes, the best gear, the the best teams and stuff, and and they weren't necessarily the fastest guys. They were these guys that did this Paris to Dakar thing, and I'm like, uh, what's that? I mean, that that's kind of that was my introduction to it, and I'm like, I want to go do that. I want to be one of those guys, and and it took it took everything I had to get my ass over there, and there was no there was absolutely no interest, especially from sponsors. To, to go and do Dakar, you talk to guys, and, and guys like Chuck Stearns had gone over and done it in the past, long time ago. Um, you, you know, and there was this, there was no, uh, there was no path to, to take, and so I used everything I had. I used my connections at, at KTM. I used my connections. I was a journalist. I was working at Cycle World Magazine at the time, and they're the world's largest motorcycle magazine. I had some experience. I'd won the Baja One Thousand. I'd done all this stuff. I'm like, can I please have a a factory ride or, or something or some help or can you give me a bike and it was it came to the point where I used every card in my deck to get over there and actually Eric Pinard was the one that kind of pulled a couple strings to get me a ride on on actually Peter Hansel's factory rally bike and it was sort of like a test to maybe be his water boy and and ended up just things started happening and I ended up getting a, a support ride with KTM basically 
I showed up and there was a bike there. That was the <laughs> that was the, the 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 context of my support ride. And they, you know, you get a parts box. They took my parts box to use for their factory riders, and and I was I literally left the starting line with the gear on my body and nothing else. And and it was like, okay, we'll see you in Dakar in 21 days. <laughs> it's like, oh shit. <laughs> Yeah, so 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 there was, there was there was there was no there was no path to take, and I didn't do very good. I mean, I, I actually I was doing really well. I was running in the top ten and and managed to get sick from dehydration because I was an idiot. Yeah. I didn't go to the I didn't go to the doctor. I didn't take the pill for diarrhea. I dehydrated myself on it. It was a tough day, but I was I felt fine right up until the time I was had two IVs in my arm and they're trying to load me in a helicopter. <laughs> I thought everything was good. I threw away a really good result because. I was stupid, and 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 to see, you know, especially to see guys go over there do now and actually just finish in their first year, like what Ricky did this year, yeah. is really really good. And the race, the race has definitely changed. You know, smaller bikes, shorter, you know, shorter um, race sections, a lot more liaisons, more people. It's 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 changed. Um, I don't think navigation plays the the huge role that it did in North Africa, for instance. I mean, there was days when we would wake up ride our motorcycle about 100 yards out of the bivouac, you would start and you would race for six, eight, ten hours and the finish line was at the place you were going to sleep the next night and you would wait for your support truck to show up with your tent and your sleeping bag, (laughs) which may not show up at all. Yeah, you're like, well, this little spot on the dirt looks awesome. (laughs) I'm going to use my uh, dirty jacket as a pillow and it's time to go to bed. Yeah, that, I know, man. That was that was what I had that, to do. That's with. not that far from the truth. That is that's not even that far from the truth. Yeah, I can only imagine you crazy ass sons of bitches in North Africa. The shit that you guys actually did over there. Um, well, what do you think about like with Malcolm Smith? Well, he went and did that. You know, obviously earlier than you did. Do you feel like what he did would be the same kind of disconnect? Isn't the right word, but the same kind of growth. We're talking about this. You know, the kids. You know, as we say, it kind of changes. You know, do you feel like there's a chance that, like, what Malcolm Smith did is, is that much more difficult and that much more... Uh... Well, Malcolm Malcolm actually... So Malcolm had won... Well, Malcolm won the original Baja 1000. You know, right. so Malcolm had a Baja win, and, and he managed to get his way over to Dakar. Malcolm actually didn't... I, 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 I don't know the story exactly. I mean, he's told me before, but he actually didn't actually race the Dakar. He was in a press car. But he did the whole course because the press cars are literally on the course, and you know they get up earlier in the morning than the racers, and they go out and, and navigate the course just like the racers do. So he technically, he did it, and I, I think he did it more than once, um, if I'm not mistaken, because he really wanted to go over and do that. Um, but it was like I said, he just couldn't find the sponsor and the funding, and, and back then, um, you know, motorcycles it wasn't it wasn't in the cards for an American rider. Yeah. To, to go over and do it is really difficult. I mean, it, it takes it takes even today it takes a lot of money, a lot of money and and um, uh, time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's what's so cool about the the rally. Uh, was the rally Pan Am guys that got Scott Bright and Ian Blythe over there to do that event? Like, I was super excited to see them, and it gives hope. You know, like it's like obviously it would be so fantastic to be able to go do the Baja Rally and maybe the Sonoma Rally and a couple more rally events. You know, in the next couple of years and then maybe one day think that the car could be an option, but that's okay. Like, I know that that's a, a, that's a pipe dream for someone like myself, but for riders that are that much better than me and then that much more motivated to go be able to really push to, to make that happen, you can tell that, that there are more options out there now 
for for that ability. So that's what's cool about it. And hopefully, yeah, guys, guys, are, there's there's a lot of interest. I know a lot of young racers that say their their ultimate goal is to go do Dakar. You know, there there are these guys racing the the National Hare and Hound Series and and doing you know stuff out here. Um, and it's it's just a it's just a commitment. I think you have to plan. And like I tell anybody that's working on a race program, you don't plan for next week or next month or even next year. Set yourself five years out and say, this is where I want to be in five years, and these are the sponsors I want to have, and this is how I'm going to do it. And you know, write it down. Set send out send out sponsorship proposals for five years out. Say, hey, I, I'll ride for nothing now if you can get me there then those kind of things and that, that long range thinking because it took me from 1989 till 1996 to get to Dakar and I tried every single year I was in communication with somebody about something to figure out how to get there and like I said it was one of those ultimate goals that was the toughest one by far I mean six days for me luckily was kind of easy I mean the first year I tried to qualify I didn't qualify because my bike broke you right. know and it was and I broke on the one day that I had to finish in order to have enough qualifying days to get there. But that was never that was never that hard. Dakar, it was it was tough because it was financially ridiculous. I mean, I, I never had the money. So if you want to do Dakar, just start saving a lot of money now because you you can. That is the kind of race that you can buy your way there if you have enough money and you can you know get one of these you know, semi-support kind of rides and, and, you know, that kind of stuff, you can go do it. It doesn't, it really, Dakar, as far as the riding ability, isn't that difficult to do. Um, uh, you know, you can do a couple of smaller rallies and kind of get certified or whatever they say, because um, they don't really want all the riders going to the finish line. They, they kind of, I think they kind of budged in that half the people aren't going to make it. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, in, like, in, uh, it makes it in seem Africa, that much more I mean, awesome. Yeah, in Africa, I knew that because they didn't have enough food for all the riders or the riders and drivers. They needed they needed some people to drop off because there wasn't that much food out in the middle of the desert to feed us all. <laughs> like, it got awkward when 10 more people showed up. They're like, well, y'all five get to split it, and the other five get to figure it out. We'll see yeah. what happens. That's 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 when they pull fish out, and you're like, fish? <laughs> you're like, I don't, middle of the desert? Yeah, what is... No, that is tofu, you assholes. Um... Before we kind of close up the show, talk to us a little about dirt bike tests. Like, what's, you know, you started this a couple years ago. You've kind of been doing it now. What's the main idea behind it, and what are you kind of trying to get out for, for you know, our regular Joes, the, us like ourselves, trying to, to learn about what you're trying to put out? I've, I've always been a product testing guy. I mean, that's, that's, my, that's my background. I mean, I literally, I was a test rider at Dirt Bike Magazine way back when, and I, I like, taught myself how to be a test rider. Um, I was the off-road editor at Cycle World for 11 years. I was the editor dirt rider for eight years, I guess. And then my excellence was no longer needed. So um, they dismissed me into retirement where about two weeks into that, I decided I really like testing stuff. I mean, that's, I, I, I mean, this garage is filled with stuff I'm currently testing. And so it was just the natural progression. It was like, well, dirtbiketest.com is available. Uh, you know, so I, had the domain name and just started building it up and it's it's kind of it's growing it's actually growing quite well i'm frankly surprised because it's 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 the amount that it's growing because we have real we're real dirt bike riders that test products you know because we understand what it's like to have to pay for stuff i and you know the thing we have is our honesty yeah it's it's like we're credible we're honest um 
you know, we really use the stuff. It's not like, you know, I was in the magazine business and I really pushed that we tested stuff. And when, when the magazine wanted to be more happy, joy, joy, no bad reviews because the other magazines don't do bad reviews or, or they, you know, they don't, they don't take so long to test stuff. And it's like, well, you can't test a tire in two days. You know, you can't test a bike in two days. You've got to go out and ride it and you've got to put time on it. And you've, you, you have to, you have to have a bunch of guys ride it. You know, so there's there's various opinions, and you have to, you know, kind of, you know, put that into a test, and and so that's that's what we're doing at Dirt Bike Test, and it's it's doing real well. I mean, it's 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 kind of fun. You know, it's a lot of work. I, yeah. I don't. I, I'm retired. And I haven't had a day off since I left Dirt Rider. <laughs> right. Uh, coolest product that you've tested. It could be a whole bike or like the smallest piece out there, and then maybe something that you're like, holy shit! I thought this was going to be awesome, and it was totally not worth the money. Let's see. Uh, best, you know, the bike I'm just blown away by is the YZ450 FX. Um, I, it was kind of funny because I didn't expect much. I really liked the older YZ, so we're talking YZ450 two years ago. Then they made some changes where it's fared well in the in the, the magazine shootouts. But I'm, I don't know. It just I don't agree with it as much anymore. I think it's winning mostly because it has a spring fork, and everybody's confused by air forks, which I personally think are awesome for motocross. Um, <laughs> but the the YZ four fifty FX is man, that bike is just so it's so good at so much stuff. And then all you have to have is that little Yamaha GYTR power tuner, and you can make it into almost anything. And I mean, they I think they hit a home run in the suspension. It feels lighter than the KTM. 450 XC, even though it's 20 pounds heavier on the scale. Right. Um, it's just a. It's it, frankly, every time I ride it, I'm still blown away by it. Uh, and it's it's a pretty good bike. Uh, let's see. What was what was I thinking that was good that I didn't? I'm trying to go through my head. You know, that's a, the funny thing is, everybody says, "Oh, you never ride a bad product review." And we we don't necessarily. I don't really like to go good or bad. I like to describe what something is for. You know, if, if you like the color red and I like the color blue and I'm trying to tell you that blue is the only color, that the best color, I, it's like, how am I going right. to, you know, and there's certain products that are like that. So, um, uh, what have we tested lately that's been, <laughs> that I thought was going to be great and wasn't, um, I'm doing a whole bunch of adventure tire, adventure bike tires right now that are, they look awesome, but they do strange things. <laughs> that's got to be weird too, because those and my dad, you know, he's got a 990, 690, uh, both of those guys. And he's getting all these tires, and I'm like, man, they just look, you know, I think even Kenda makes, they call it the big block. Like, they just Correct. look like big blocky tires. And I guess, like, it, I still haven't, like, totally figured out, like, where you would always expect to take an adventure bike. That I kind of, like, get how that tire is supposed to work. You take it, you take it to Starbucks. With with those tires, and you park it out front, and you wear all your climb gear, and you 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 just sit out you just sit out front there, and you know you have some mud on you, or a little bit of dirt, and you just kind of you, you pose up. It's kind of like the Harley riders do at the bars, but adventure riders go to Starbucks. I like this. It sounds like he's got some yeah. experience. So yeah, it's like so. How many chicks have you picked up there? <laughs> mm, my wife. Might be home right now, so. <laughs> <laughs> so you're saying at least one? No, 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 no chicks, no chicks in the back of the adventure bike. Yeah. I only carry one. I don't carry around the spare helmet. 
That's true. I just I just carry around the blow up doll. After that, I don't need anything after when I'm at Starbucks. What do you think those panniers are for? We call we call that we call that a mattress. Ooh, yeah, you got a blow up doll on one side and a mattress blown up on the other. <laughs> it could get weird all the time. Oh man. Well, I, I'm excited to kind of see where this is going to go because I like the fact that I, I enjoy. Um, I like in the mountain bike world again to kind of take it there like pinkbike.com I love their site but I feel that their reviews are a little light um, they're a little a little jaded kind of like you're talking about with the, the magazine side of things but then vital MTB I feel that some of their content isn't as good as what pinkbike puts out but their reviews I feel are much more um, direct, on point, and, and speaking, like you said, you know, the people that like blue, this is, this is, if you like blue, this is why you're going to like this bike. But if you like red, this is why you're going to like this bike. But they specifically say, like, it's kind of like for those type of people, you know, again, and they're not going to tell you don't spend this money on this bike. It's if you like these types of machines and the way that these respond to these situations, then this is probably where you want to put your money. Um, I think there, there's there's so I two like points. that train of thinking. Yeah, there's kind of two points in my opinion on that. Um, one is Uh-oh. there's a lot that are trying to they're trying to do they're trying to do lifestyle and then they have to do testing because that's where the motorcycle magazines have been since the early dirt bike days. It's like we are testing stuff, you know. So so I think I think you know for sure you know Jody at Motocross Action does a really good job at making a good magazine. And I'm not going to say that I agree with his opinion. They seem to be the authority right now on the printed side of testing stuff, which, you know, take it or leave it, you know, that's what they're doing good at. Transworld does a really good job. Don does a really good job at making a good entertainment medium. He, they have some, you know, good stuff. Racer X is that lifestyle thing as well. And those, you know, the Transworld and the Racer X. Then you get into, you know, Dirt Bike and Dirt Rider, which are the sort of off-road uh, magazines and um, I thought I had Dirt Rider at a pretty high standard of, of testing when we were doing it and I'm not there anymore so they can do whatever they want and they can't compete with Dirt Bike when it comes to everything is great and I mean a lot of stuff is great, most stuff is great but it's not all excellent and there's never you know when there's never a downside to it and to your point on the, on the Pink Bike thing and I think Pink Bike you know you watch how much traffic they're generating and they're they're, the amount of videos and some of the unique stuff they get, they're so big that everybody has to, you know, you have to pay attention to them. Actually, I ride adventure bikes with Braddock, who's one of their, you know, main programmers, one of their owners. And, and you, want to, you want to see a gnarly guy on an adventure bike. He does stuff that I won't even consider doing. <laughs> but he's also built like an ox, so he's huge. Um, but, uh, you know, it's, it's uh, there's, there's, that's the thing. There's different channels and, and ways to to do stuff we just decided we're going to focus on the on the product testing because that's what we're good at hell yeah well okay so dirtbiketest.com is that that's the url that's it it's simple simple that's very simple so everybody go check out dirtbiketest.com uh jimmy lewis is going to be making sure that if you like blue he's going to tell you why you should buy blue or why you shouldn't buy blue and if you like red why you shouldn't buy blue and that has nothing to do with keep having fun doing it i got a chance to drink some good beers Matt got a chance to watch me drink some good beers, which is fantastic for him, I'm sure. But uh, what are some leaving words you would like to leave us with, Mr. Jimmy Lewis? 
man, I, you know, I'm just, I've been blessed my whole life that I've turned my bad habit into my job and, and something, you know, I still really like doing. I mean, it's like, I get to ride dirt bikes for a living. I don't make much money at it, <laughs> but it's, uh, it's subsidizing my bad habit and, and, uh, man, I meet great people, been every place in the world I care to go and some places I didn't on a dirt bike and, uh, kind of hoping to keep continuing doing this. Hell yeah, dude. Well, thank you very much for being on the show, and I know that we'll definitely be chatting soon. Hey, if you, if you, if you got any, anybody that's out there wants to be a test rider and they want to work, let me know. We're always looking for really good test riders. All right. Well, I know some half-asses. We'll send those your way yeah, for sure. No, we don't, we, don't, we don't take half-ass, and I tell them straight away. It's like, no, this is actually work. I've been, you know, we've been, we've been um, looking for guys that are, you know, quality guys. I got, I got a few that are good they can they can ride they can write they can explain they can articulate things but most guys just want to take your bike you know do a couple berm shots look at pictures of themselves and then tell everybody they were in the photos and that's called a test rider <laughs> dude that sounds like so that's not what i should be good at damn it <laughs> yeah. you had you you led me astray matt you led me astray hey he's the one who did, did you practice your berm shots explain it <laughs> <laughs> we'll make it work we'll figure it out but hey if we do run across any of those badass motherfuckers, we're going to send them your way. Yeah, because I'm looking for guys east of the Mississippi. We want, you know, we, we test all over the place, and I'm, I don't want it just to be all Southern California. We test our bikes all over the place, and we're going to keep it that way. Which is smart. Which is smart. Dirtbiketest.com. Yep. Mr. Jimmy Lewis, thank you for having some beers with us online. We appreciate what you do, and keep kicking ass at it, all right? Thanks a lot. I appreciate being on. Hell yeah, dude. Peace. Well... Mr. Matt Crouch, it's been a long evening. Thank you very much for coming on. Did you learn a few things? I did. I had a great time, man. Yeah. Appreciate appreciate the invite. Absolutely. So what's next for you? Um, that's a good question. I don't know. I was I was hoping to get to go to the second sprint enduro, which starts tomorrow. Tomorrow. Which evidently I'm not gonna be at. Not gonna be there. Um so hopefully um you know I can make some, some more of the sprint enduros this year this year and then um uh, I really don't know. I don't have any like set plans. Yeah. Just kind of like what I want to go do, and if it's fun, sounds fun, and yeah, you know, go do it. I after listening to him, you know, in the test thing, I like testing stuff. That's you know, I like testing new parts and yeah. things like that. So, I uh, I might need to dirtbiketest.com. Yeah, I might need to need to look Jimmy up and you know, go out to California for a week or just something. Just don't look up under his skirt. Yeah. Just like dirtbiketest.com. I'll try and keep it dirt bike talk. Oh, yeah. yeah. Dirty talk. I mean, dirt bike talk. <laughs> we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. <laughs> what, is, what, is, what is he talking about? Round three in West Virginia. Oh, is that full Oh, gas? yeah. Is that Rock to Shell? Yeah. Yeah. He's wanting to... He said he's going to do the West Virginia... Is that round three? I thought that was like four or five. I don't do that. He math. might be right. I don't know. But anyway, that's that round is a um, ISD qualifier. Oh wow! And I get he's told me before that. Yeah, it is West. It's the third round. There you go. April twenty third yeah. and twenty fourth. Yeah, that's a ISD qualifier, and um, he said he's trying to do some training and get ready for that thing. Because evidently he is going. I don't know if his dad's going or not, but he said that that he's going because he was talking to me about it a little bit. So, but uh, should be a good one. Like I said, I'd I'd like to do 
I went and did one last year, you know, and Hoover puts on a great series. It's just, it's fun. You know, you get to go hang out with your buddies, talk, you know, go race, come back to the pits, talk, yeah. you know, bench race. And, you know, so it's, it's just, uh, it's cool, you know, something different, new. But uh, I look forward to doing doing some more of those this year for sure. I like it. I really I was trying to make that first round, but it just didn't happen. We've got too many things going on behind the scenes here that just couldn't make that kind of stuff happen. Um, but yeah, no, that that is definitely the plan for us is to make one of the full gas sprint enduros to be able to do a little bit of video work, a little bit of riding with Woody uh, episodes, and all that kinds of fun stuff. We shall see. Yeah. But uh, so, where can people find more about you on the internet? Um, Facebook, Instagram, uh, Twitter don't have a website i'm not that cool just tweeting real hard yeah yeah those those days of coolness have, have kind of gone away just hashtag them <laughs> yeah that's the dirty well of course i am your host mr brian pierce you can find me on the internet at woody b pierce pretty much everywhere my uh if you were to say oh does brian have a personal website he actually does is purveyor of awesome.co which suck it world yeah <sighs> no yeah. it's fun though i just did uh finally put my blog post up about the treehouse I did so, see it. That's pretty impressive. It's uh, so that's that's actually a good read if you're thinking about ever building a treehouse for your kids, yourself, your beer drinking buddies, whatever you want to do there. Just go check that out. Purveyor of awesome.co. Um, yeah. So this has been Seat Time. You can check us out at seattime.co is our website. Of course, we are on Facebook, facebook.com/seattime. We're on Twitter. It's at seattime underscore co. On Instagram, it is at seattime. We're on the YouTube's. It's a uh, username is seattime co. So you can go there. Hit us up on YouTube. Subscribe best way to look for it if you guys didn't hear us talk a little bit about toro this past weekend i did make it out i put a video up earlier from test seven um, and i put that one up specifically because that one one that actually flowed well and i didn't crash um what i am gonna do is i do it like i don't shy away from my crashes everybody's like ah. i was like no no i make sure my crashes are in there because they're fun as shit all the time if you've noticed i've got some nice bruising here on my face and a little bit of scabbing going on that wreck will definitely be in a foot in some footage that comes out later this week. So if you just want to be firsthand to any of that stuff that we put up, obviously subscribe to our YouTube channel. That's just the best way to be the person that can go, holy shit, I like watching Woody wreck. <laughs> if nothing else, right? Hey, everybody likes stuff like that. I agree, especially when Woody eats shit. So this has been episode 199. As we mentioned, we are going to do some fun stuff for episode 200. You want to pay attention. You want to get some free kind of tires. You want to get some free fly racing gear, maybe some SRT equipment for your motorcycle. That's the way to do it. Tune in. In two weeks, we won't be live next week. Uh, spring break is going on. Family trips, all that kinds of stuff. It's just what happens when you got little kids. If you don't have little kids, you'll learn one day when you go, oh my God, I put the... Never, we're not going to go there. You know how kids are made. Two weeks, episode 200. It's going to be interesting. It's going to be fun. Hopefully, nobody remembers to be sober and we can all Uber our way home and just see kind of what happens when you drink too much beer and then bench race about motorcycles. This has been episode 199. Thank you, Matt, for being on the couch with us. We really appreciate it. And remember, always enjoy a pint full of awesome. See you in two weeks. Peace. Peace.